Thank you for joining us today. At Cross Church, we believe people need Jesus, people need each other, people change the world, and people leave legacies. Our desire is for you to understand, accept, and grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about Cross Church, please visit crosschurch.com. Let's grab our Bibles. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been walking through a series called Enemies of the Soul. We've been walking through 1 John the last two Sundays. We're going to shift uh, here for this last message uh, to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, I've told you uh, that last year I was really impacted by a book called Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. would encourage you to, to jump on the internet and grab that in some way. Um, fantastic book about Christian life. And uh, as I said a few weeks ago to you, I knew that when I read this book, I was like, okay, this is coming back in some way to the church. And, and it really came back through this series. Uh, this is what uh, he begins with. And I think it's helpful for us to begin with as well. We've quoted this quote every single Sunday in the series. He says, here's my working theory as followers of Jesus. We are at war with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the enemy's three stratagem is as follows. Deceptive ideas, that's the enemy. We're going to talk about him today, the devil, that play to disordered desires. That's the flesh. We talked about that last week. That are normalized in a sinful society. That is the world. Now, as you may have noticed, we really did this in reverse order because the Bible really puts it kind of in that reverse order instead of the way that he frames the chart here. And uh, But this is a really helpful way to look at all that we're covering. And today we come to the last part of this, which I think is the most important in the entire series, and we're going to speak about uh, the devil today. Let me give you a quote. I'll come back to this here in just a second. Let me give you something to write down uh, that I think really frames our passage today and frames what we're going to be talking about. One of the primary ways that Satan works in your life is through deception. I'll come back to that in, in detail here in just a moment. One of the primary ways that Satan works in your life is through the element of Deception. In fact, he likes to be in the shadows. He often shrouds himself to make us think that either he doesn't exist or that if he does exist, that he's really not that significant of a factor in my own life. He doesn't really matter. Well, that's like a, a vastly different picture than what the Bible gives us of Satan himself. Uh, the Bible calls him a, a lion who is seeking someone to devour, calls him a liar who literally anytime his mouth opens, he lies. Okay, he is a liar at the very root of who he is, and he is dead set on deceiving you. And so with, with that framework today, uh, we're going to jump into, into verses 10 through 12 today. That'll be our passage of Ephesians chapter 6. I think it'll be really impactful for you. So let's get started. Look at verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to Stand against the, the, the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, for some of you today, you're like, okay, I've, I've read this passage before. It's clicking. If you've been in church at any time in your life, you're like, all right, this is the armor of God passage. And what I would tell you is this, we're actually not even going to cover the armor of God in totality today, but this is the, the, the passage that precedes that, which speaks about the reason that you need the armor is that you have an enemy and your, your wrestles not against people. It's not against flesh and blood, but against 
Satan and his demonic forces, which is what is described there uh, through all of those different things here. Now, if you're a note taker, I'm going to make it real easy for you today, all right? I'm going to give you four truths about a devil who lies, okay? Four truths about a devil who lies. And that's a good way for us to frame this entire sermon uh, is that because we do need truth to ultimately combat the lies, And so from Ephesians chapter six, we get four different truths that I think would be really, really helpful in your own personal life. Here's truth number one. You're in a fight, okay? You're in a fight whether you realize it or not, and it feels like a constant wrestling match. You're in a fight, and it feels like a constant wrestling match. Look back at verses 10 and 11. Think about the words used here. Be strong in the Lord, and in the what? In the strength of his might. All right. So, so you're in something that's going to cause you to need some spiritual muscles to fight. He says, put on the armor of God to stand against. You don't run away when the enemy attacks. You don't cower back in fear. You stand against the schemes of the devil. Think about that schemes uh, word there. Satan fights dirty. You ever seen that in your life? There are no rules with him. He'll come to you when you're, when you're tired, when you're broken, when you're weak, when you feel like you deserve something and he'll just like a dangling carrot, just like, all right, you want some? You deserve it. Come and get it. Like you, you like it, okay? This will make you feel better and whatever that thing is. And he just tempts and he tempts and he tempts in that way. L- let me sum up what the Bible is speaking about here in this passage, right? This will guide us through the re- remainder of the sermon today. Following Jesus is not a casual walk in the park. Okay, it's not a stroll on a sunny Tuesday afternoon with a stroller. All right, this is war and you're in a battle every single day, whether you realize it or not. Here's how Comer writes it in the book. He says, the devil is hell bent on destruction. He just wants to watch the world burn. His motto, tear it all down. This is why following Jesus often feels like a war. It is. It's not easy to advance daily into the kingdom of God because there's opposition from the devil himself. In your life, his motto is the same. Tear it all down. Any way that he can destroy, any way that he can kill, and any way that he can steal, he is dead set on doing that in your life. I don't know if you've ever thought to yourself, let me me do like a show of hands. How many of you ever feel like the Christian life is hard? Okay. All right, that's like 70% of you, the other 30 I'm not sure what life you're living, all right? Um, as a pastor, I feel this every single day of my life. Like, man, golly, this is hard. Like, I'm in a battle. Like, this is a war. Like, I'm constantly having to, to be on guard and to fight against the, the, the devil, fight against my flesh. And, and here's what I tell you. If you wake up every single day and you feel that, guess what I'm telling you today? You are faithfully living the Christian life. Satan will tell you, man, you're, you're a sorry Christian. If you struggle, if you're weak, if, if you think to yourself, man, this is so hard, man, you must, you must not be cut out for this. Maybe you're not even saved. Well, let, let me just tell you, let me, let me like put that to the side and say that, that's a deceptive lie from the enemy. If you are battling every day, struggling every day, in the fight every day, here's what I'd say. You're faithfully living out what Ephesians 6 is saying to us. You're being strong in the Lord in the strength of of his might. On the flip side of that, if you would say, Nick, I, you know, I don't really ever notice spiritual warfare in my life. I, I seem to be pretty good. Life seems to be good. I mean, I have struggles here and there, but I don't, I don't really experience what you're talking about. Here's what I would say. Um, number one, you may not be a Christian. Uh, or number two, you may be a Christian who you've, you've veered so far from where you need to be with the Lord that you're a, you're a, 
you're of no caution to the enemy, if that makes sense. Like he doesn't have to, to think to himself, oh man, she, she's really rearing ready to go and follow Christ today. Better get at her or he's really trying to be faithful. Better get at him. Like you may be so far off course that um, you're just not a threat to the enemy. The Bible speaks about the wrestle here. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to watch wrestling. Anybody else? Love me some wrestling. Uh, me and my brother, uh, we bought like the Hulk Hogan kit, which is like the Hulkamania headband, the, the little hand uh, strengthening thingamajigger, you know what I'm talking about? Jump rope. And, you know, we just wanted to be Hulkamania people. Uh, how about a little macho man, Randy Savage? You know what I'm talking about? The ultimate warrior, Andre the Giant. Can I get an amen? Okay, like, like your sting. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. And not the singer, for those of you who don't know wrestling. This dude painted his face. He was legit, all right? And uh, I, I loved it. Big Van Vader, remember him with the mask? Here's what you need about big dork right here, okay? Uh, when I was a kid. But man, I loved it even though it wasn't real. Loved it even though it wasn't real. Some of you are like, wait, pastor, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's a different sermon on just being an idiot, okay? Um, but uh, I'll tell my wife about my childhood of watching wrestling, and she is like, you know, that's the stupidest thing I've, I've ever heard of. Why would you ever watch this? Why does she think that, that, that that's dumb that I would watch it? Because she knows it isn't real. And in the, in, in the, in the life of the enemy and in your own life, here's what he will try to get you to think. This whole thing called Satan, I'm not real. Spiritual warfare, dude, you're silly if you think about that. Like, you, you're ridiculous. Don't, the problem is her. The problem is him. It's not Satan. And he just tries to, to get you to think that this entire thing is not real. He'll point to your boss as the issue, the spouse as the issue, your kids as the issue, whatever it may be here, okay? This sets up our second truth. Here's the second truth if you're taking notes. You have an enemy, and it's not who you think it is. You have an enemy, and it's not who you think it is, okay? We often think that people are the problem in life. Okay, I said that at the first service and people started laughing like, yeah, no, actually, these people in my life really are the problem, all right? But we often think that people are the problem in our life. And um, you've heard the, the, the joke, like it, it, life would be easy if it weren't for all the people or business would be easy if it weren't for all the people. Like uh, we often feel that way. This is where some of you are right now. You're frustrated beyond belief at your spouse who you came to church with and you're sitting next to right now. Some of you are like, us? No, exactly you, all right? The ones who got in a fight on the way to church, it happens, all right? And you're frustrated beyond belief with that person or maybe it is your kid, maybe it is somebody you work with and there's just this pent-up frustration about what they've done and who they are and how they're ruining your life, um, what does the Bible say to us here about those kind of relationships? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. One of the main ways that the enemy does work his work of deception is to get your eyes off of himself and onto other people, okay? Let me ask you a question. Who do you have an issue with right now in your life? Who do you have an issue with right now in your life? Like no bull allowed right now. Speak honestly. Is it a family member? Who do you have unforgiveness towards? 
bitterness, resentment, anger. And I'm not even saying that what they did was right, but I'm saying that now as a follower of Jesus, you got to handle that right. And this passage is teaching us, listen, they are not the problem. Um, if I were to turn on reality TV up here on the screen today, okay, we'd be a terrible church, all right, number one. But, uh, but let me tell you something that, that all reality TV shows have in common. It doesn't matter what they are, and it doesn't matter from what decade they've come from, all right? There is always one person on the reality TV show that's always in the background stirring the pot. Isn't that true? There's always somebody who's stabbing other people in the back when they're not around. They're talking behind people's backs. They're, they're saying things they shouldn't say. They are uh, breaking confidence. They're, they're saying things that happen. Well, you know, she said this about you yesterday, blah, blah, blah. And, and the, what are they doing? They're just in the back stirring the pot. Do you know that's a lot like the enemy's work? The enemy, again, stands in the shadows, in the background, doesn't just come out and say, hey, I'm about to deceive you. I'm about to stir the pot in your family. You ready for it? Here it is. Here it is, right here. Division, right here, I'm the cause. He doesn't do that, does he? Stands in the back, just casually stirs the pot. And all the while, we think everybody else is the issue. Satan is constantly stirring the pot in your Christian life. Any big day we have here at church, Meredith and I know that all heck is about to break loose at, at, at the Floyd house, okay? The children will turn into some of the demonic forces we talked about. Um, we, we have car trouble. Uh, we start to argue. And, and usually at some point, one of us stops the other and says, okay, hey, we need to remember it's Easter weekend, all right? Or it's, it's Vision Sunday or something's going to happen this afternoon, Okay or we're going to be driving to church tonight with all four kids and y'all pray for us, okay? It, it's hard to preach after that, you know? Um, but there, there's usually a point when Meredith and I begin to argue with one another that one of us stops the other and says, hey, remember, remember what week we're in. Remember what's happening tomorrow. And, and we say a phrase to one another, hey, same team, same team. In other words, it's me and you versus him. It's not me versus you, but it's us versus him. We are united on the same team. Think about this on a broad scale. Who is behind the polarization in our country? Satan himself, stirring the pot. Who's behind the conflict in your family? Satan, stirring the pot. Uh, who's behind the conflict at the office today, potentially, or tomorrow? It's Satan just stirring the pot. Uh, go back to verse 12. Look at the way the Bible writes it. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Okay, this is speaking about Satan and his demonic forces, all again, stirring the pot. And at some point, okay, everybody, everybody look up here for a second. At some point as a Christian, at some point in the maturing walk of your Christian life, You've got to stop and say, wait, you're not the problem. He's the problem. And you got to stop and say, hold on, we're being deceived here. We're buying into the stirring of the pot. And you got to stop and say, okay, let's back up. Let's reframe ourselves and say, okay, we're following the Lord in this entire discussion. All right. Here's truth number three. Satan is fighting against you. And it may be in a different way than you realize. 
He's fighting against you every single day. And it may be in a different way in which you realize. You may by this point in the message realize that Satan is a guy who is behind much division, much destruction in your life, the one stirring the pot in the background. But uh, let me go back to our original statement. Let's talk about deception, okay? That one of the primary ways that Satan works in your life as a follower of Christ, or listen to me, even not as a follower of Christ, is through this thing called deception. In other words, the battlefield of the mind is where Christian victory is won. Okay, we, we just sang about, I'm going to see a victory. Let me tell you, the only way you're going to see a victory is if your mind is filled with the word of God. Your mind is renewed day by day. Your mind is ready to battle the enemy every single day. Um, this is the main reason. When I, when I read the book last year, uh, this simple work on deception was the main reason. I said, I, I've got to get that to our people because we are living Deceived. Let me, let me ask you a question. It's for every single person in the room. How are you being deceived by the enemy right now? How are you being deceived by the enemy right now in your life? You may look at me and say, well, that's the craziest question I've ever heard. You may be thinking to yourself, this guy's nuts talking about Satan, pitchfork, horns, tail. And you think that this is all just, just crazy. Let, let me say it to you this way, and I 100% believe this. It is not an exaggeration for me to say that every single person in here, including myself, is, is being deceived by the enemy in some way. This could be in a little way. This could be in a large way. It, it could be in a very private way or in a very public way. Some of you are being deceived into thinking that your spouse is the real issue in the, in the relationship. Or... Uh, or that friend who betrayed you, that, that, that they're really behind all this, even though you know that you're somewhat at fault as well. And it could be a, a million things that we could talk about in some way that you are being deceived by the enemy. So that's a great question to write down, to ask yourself when you've got a little more time to think about it. How am I being deceived in my life right now? Lord, would you reveal that to me? Comer writes this about Satan's work of deception. He says, his tactic is the same basic formula on repeat. Isolate, then lie. Isolate, then lie. So in other words, get you alone and get you to believe something that is not true, okay? Uh, the Christian life, let me tell you, it is a soul game. It, it is a mind game. And it's really, really hard to win at those two things when you are not living with other Christian influences in your life, when you don't have other Christian friends, um, Here's what I would say, and this is true. I could say this to our student ministry over here sitting this morning. I could say it to senior adults in the room. Your best friends in your life should be strong Christians following hard after Christ. In other words, it's, it's really hard. I'm talking about really, really hard to stay consistent in all that we're talking about today if your relationships are dominated by people with a completely different worldview and different system of life and living. It's just the truth of the matter, okay? And so, like I, I told the first service, I could go into the student ministry Wednesday night and I could talk to you about the value of friendships in your life. And then I could go to every single senior adult small group in our church across all campuses and I could speak about the value of Christian relationships in your life, okay? You ever known somebody who just drifted in their Christian walk? 
You looked up to them for a season in your life. Maybe they were a mentor to you, or maybe you, you view them as a strong Christian, and then two or three years down the road, you're like, dude, they have like fallen off the map spiritually. And what happened to that? Comer describes something that, that I have seen countless times as well in my own life as a pastor. He says that whenever people drift from the faith, it always begins with leaving Christian community. They, they stopped going to small group, stopped being consistent at church, stopped being around Christian friends, kind of went back to the worldly friends. And, and over time, it just kind of gradually drifted. Um, when people drift from church, I've just seen it countless times, but when people drift from church, it usually leads nowhere good, Okay. And hopefully you see here that the Ephesians chapter six teaches us we don't teach church attendance just for the sake of church attendance. Like this is not a legalistic, hey, you need to be at church because it's Sunday. We spend Sundays together, okay? That, that's not the message here. The message is, dude, we are in a battle. We are in a war. And one of the main reasons that God brings us together every single Sunday together is so that we can survive the battle. It, it, it brings you every single week into a confrontation with the word of God. It brings you every single week into uh, an environment of encouragement from other believers. And when we drift from that, it, it, just, it just leads to nowhere ever good. Think about people who get isolated and they just leave. And my heart breaks. And some of you maybe are, are on the fringes right now. And I just want you to know, man, my heart, uh, my heart is concerned for you. Maybe there was a time in, in, in your life when you were deeply plugged into the church. And maybe now it's just become a Sunday thing or every couple Sundays or once a month kind of deal. And, and, and I just want to encourage you to watch the drift. I heard somebody say this way one time, you never drift anywhere worth going. And that's so, so true in my life. It's so true in your life as well. I think even back to my own life in December, uh, I preached here, I believe, on December 4th. December 11th, Meredith and I had a trip away together, so we were off that Sunday. And then I got COVID the next week. I'm rocking COVID two of the last three Christmases. It's a terrible tradition to, to, to keep going here. Um, but I got COVID, and so I was, I was out of church for like two and a half weeks not even that long of a time. And my first service back was one of our Christmas Eve services when I'd gotten out of quarantine. And I remember sitting on the front row as I sat in worship that night. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was like life to my soul again. It was something that I didn't realize how much I, I needed and how and even in two and a half weeks away from the body of Christ, just how my own heart could drift from the Lord. And I'm the pastor. You know what I'm saying? We just spent November and December walking through Genesis 1 through 3, and I thought Comer connected Genesis 1 through 3 uh, perfectly to what we're talking about today. He says Genesis 3 is the paradigmatic lie behind all lies. The deception, or really temptation, has always been twofold, to seize autonomy from God and to redefine good and evil based on the voice in our heads and the inclination of our hearts rather than trust in the loving word of God. When you're alone with your thoughts, 
It's going to lead to two things. Okay, I'm talking about extended periods of alone by yourself. It's going to lead to thoughts of, I don't need the Lord. And you may not even verbalize it that way, but, but the independent streak in your heart will come out. And you'll begin to re redefine good and evil in your life. So, so you'll, you'll sit alone, away from Christian community, away from Christian friends, away from church. And you'll be alone at home. And Satan's like, all right, let's start talking. And he just starts talking. You begin to think things about yourself that you never thought about before. You begin to feel hopeless. Um, the whole time you're, you're scrolling social media and you begin to believe things about yourself based on what you're seeing other people do. You begin to buy into what the world says because that's all you're scrolling and all that's putting into your mind. And it just becomes this game of Satan isolating and then lying. See how that works in your life? I mean, it happens to every single one of us. Can I remind you of this simple truth? We're never fulfilled when we live life our own way. Tell yourself the story of your life, like rewind the story of your life. You are never fulfilled when you say, God, you said to go left, but I'm going right. Or you said to go straight, but I'm going backwards. Like we never are fulfilled in that moment. I taught you this in the Genesis series. Think about this statement. Real life is found in embracing what God has said and not in what you think. Real life is, is, is found when you embrace what God has said not when you just believe in whatever it is you think. And so in what ways are you being deceived right now of thinking that your way is better than God's way? That if you did it, well, you would do it a lot different, okay? Here's our fourth truth. This really is the hope of it. Our only hope against Satan is embracing the truth found in God's word. So your only hope and battling deception in your life, your only hope against battling the enemy in your life is found by embracing what God has said in the word of God. Um, as I told you, we're not even dealing with the armor of God, but let's go to the very end of the passage. Look at verse 17, and we'll talk just briefly about it. He says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, the armor of God, these are, these are the last two pieces of the armor of God. Every single morning, I believe you should pray this. I pray this over me and my family every day. I pray the armor of God. Lord, would you put on us the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, sandals of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, sword of the spirit. If you think about all of those things, every one of the armor pieces are defensive in nature. You're waiting for an arrow to hit the helmet, but it bounces off, Okay. You're, you're getting shot with something else, but you got the shield of faith to, to block it. The only offensive weapon God has given us is what? The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. This is what um, Jesus fought against Satan for. Remember in Matthew chapter 4 when see, uh, Jesus is being tempted by Satan? Jesus just begins to quote the Word of God again and again and again. You say, like, how do I defeat the lies of Satan in my life? all about the word of God. It's all about the sword of the spirit. Will you embrace what God has said? I'm going to wrap up by giving you a question. I think this is one of the most valuable questions that, that I could have ever give you in your life to live the Christian life faithfully. This is extremely helpful in battling the deception of the enemy. And uh, so here's what the question is. If you're taking notes, write this down. Does what I think line up with what God has said?
does what I think line up with what God has said? Let me, let me play this out for you so you, you can understand it. I'm thinking I'm not worth anything. You ever feel that way? But God has said that I was worth so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on my behalf. See how that works? I'm thinking that my life is beyond repair. You ever get there? But God says that he will work all things together for my good, even the hard things, even the things that I don't want to happen. I'm thinking that I'm alone. You ever feel lonely? God has said he will never leave us nor forsake us. See how that works? I mean, I I could give you a hundred examples. I'm thinking this about sexuality and the way that that plays out in my life, but God has said this about sexuality. Um, So many ways this could play out. I'm thinking this about the world, but God has said this about the world. It literally applies to every single part of your life. Does what I'm thinking lining up with what God has said? And if not, again, at some point, at some point in your Christian walk, And it usually comes when you're down and defeated. It usually comes when you have just been pulverized by the enemy. At some point, you got to stand up and say, I'm not going to buy into this any longer. Like, I'm not going to be deceived any longer. Like, like she's not the problem in my life. He's not the problem in my life. Satan is stirring the pot, and I'm not going to buy into it. But nobody can do that for you but you. Teenagers, at some point, you got to, you got to realize the ways that Satan is attacking you in your life and be like, no, 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 I, I ain't going there. Like, I'm not, I'm not buying into that, okay? I'll wrap up like this. Everybody, everybody just look at this beautiful bald head up here, okay? Um, let, me, let me say it to you this way. Let, let me wrap up the entire message like this. you got to fight. You've got to fight. You can walk into this Christian life casually, and here's my prediction that will come true. You're going to get smoked. Satan will have a field day with you. You've got to fight. Every single day, you've got to wake up and be like, all right, it's on. Let's go. I mean, literally, I'm usually laying in bed, eyes closed when I pray for the filling of the Spirit on my life, and I begin to pray the armor of God upon my life. Like, I know that it is hitting me immediately when I wake up. You've got to fight. And so if you've been a casual follower you've kind of just been lackadaisical in your walk, you've been apathetic, and you're like, man, I just don't understand why I'm so miserable. I don't understand why I don't have any victory in my life. Let me tell you, it may be because you're not treating this like a battle. And it is a battle, and you got to fight. And with all that's in me, I just want to tell you today, you've got to fight, Christian. You've got to buck up and get ready to go because Satan is coming after you full force, whether you believe it or not. And you got to stand strong in the Lord and in the strength. I love this. In the strength of not my own might, of his might. His might is greater than my might. His might greater than your might. That gives us a lot of hope, does it not? Some of you have bought into a lie for your entire life. that You don't need God. What is that? It's the deception of the enemy. You may have bought into a different lie. That Well, Nick, I'm a good person. I mean, I come to church. Surely that's enough. I mean, I've been, I'm pretty a moral person. Like, surely that's enough to get me into heaven. Again, that's a lie from the enemy. The truth of God's word is this. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. 
We all sinners, all right? Separated from God because of our sin. And the Bible gives us the brutal reality, the truth of the gospel is that if you die apart from relationship with Christ, you will go to hell, separated from God forever. But the second part of the truth of the gospel is this. Anybody can be saved who will turn in faith to Jesus and repent from a life of living for yourself. That can happen in your life. Isn't that great news? Like that can happen in you today. Can we pray as we wrap up today? Our staff's gonna make their way to the front of each aisle. And if you would say, Nick, I, I feel like you're speaking directly to me right now. Like I know that I need to be saved. That, that's never happened in my life. I've maybe been a good person. I, I've been a good church person, but I've never really given my life to Christ. Today, would you leave the deception of Satan that you don't need the Lord Jesus? And when for the very first time, would you give your life to Christ? Just a moment, we're gonna stand and we're gonna sing a final song. And as soon as we do that, I'm just gonna ask you to leave the row in which you're seated. And all you gotta do is come to one of these men or women from our staff. All you gotta say is this, I need Jesus. And they'll talk to you. They'll lead you to faith in Christ before you leave this building today, okay? Very private moment. They're not gonna bring you on stage. This message, for the vast majority of it, it, it's a message for the church. It's a message for believers. And so I ask you the question again, in what ways are you being deceived right now? I, I wonder how many of you need to come and get on your knees at the altar today and say, Lord, I believe some lies, but, but God, I want to be renewed in my mind. I want to believe the truth again. How, how, you know, how many of you need to come to one of our staff members and just have them pray over you about something going on in your life that would be so helpful to you, meaningful for you? Whatever it is, whatever the yes is that God's asking you to give today, would you give it right now? Lord, we trust you by faith to do that in our lives. Would you draw people to Christ, whatever that looks like right now? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like more information about your relationship with Jesus, please email us at info at crosschurch.com or visit our website at crosschurch.com. At Crosschurch, our mission is to reach Northwest Arkansas, America, and the world for Jesus Christ.